Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 KSRQ Radio. Of course, you can hear it online. The online streams at RadioNorthland.org. That's also where you can check out uh, all the episodes that uh, are on there. Uh, all the episodes of Rasslin' Memories available at RadioNorthland.org. And my, we are getting so, so close to the end of the year. So, I, you know... Why not? It's it's an easily bookable type of format. I think today is a good day, if any, to look back on the year 2021. Uh, it was an idea that I, I can't claim. I, I do want to give credit to my co-host, the man down there deep in the heart of Texas, uh, Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy. Mike, I think it's time, huh? We've we got, we got a few things we could chat about. Well, you know, we're getting close to, uh, you know, a couple, you know, about a week away from Christmas as we're recording this. You know, New Year's Eve's coming up. We're almost wrapping up 2022. And yeah. You know, 2021 was a fun year, you know, in some aspects, in some aspects it wasn't, but, you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to look back on, and you and I tend to do a kind of a year in review episode towards the end, because, sure. you know, it's, it's our chance to take a little bit of holiday break, you know, and kind of give our listeners something to kind of listen to before we take a couple weeks off to enjoy the holidays with our families, you know, and then we return in, uh, you know, 2022. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a little time. We get a little time off, a little break, a little recharge. And yeah, what a year 2021 is. What a, what a month December has been thus far here for professional wrestling, Mike. Uh, yeah, we had a few things that uh, have been going on these days. Yeah, the month of December is definitely, you know, they, they want to give us some more stories as the, the, uh, the month ends for the year. But yeah, um, <clears throat> our listeners, I'm sure they've They've seen the news and they've heard of kind of what's going on here in uh, you know my neck of the woods. And, you know we're gonna we're gonna discuss that a little bit and uh, specifically one of the uh, the parties involved. So it, it's been an interesting week uh, here. We're definitely sure and definitely an interesting month. Mm-hmm, most definitely. Well, should we dive into this uh, 2021 uh, year in review and uh, I'll let you introduce the guests and we can get things rolling, man? We should, man. Let's get into it. Let's talk about 2021. And- you know, let's introduce our guest for this episode. Uh, I believe this is like his fourth, maybe fifth appearance on our show. So, you know, he's kind of building up a little track record. He's kind of part of the wrestling memories family, but he's gonna get a it's five, always fun. To a five-timers robe. He's going to get a five-timers robe here soon. There we go. We need the five-timers robe. We'll, we'll, we'll find out how that's where SNL got there. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always fun to bring him on and, you know, get his perspective and talk about wrestling because, you know, he's a wrestler. He's a promoter. Uh, in, in my opinion, one day he, he should be in some some version of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. But uh, our guest this week to discuss 2021, none other than the Golden Boy, Greg Anthony. Greg, welcome back to the show. Well, I appreciate it. I'm ready to ready to give my little two cents, I guess. I'm sure you got more than two cents, man. You're always on <laughs> social media and all that kind of offering your opinions on different things and all that. And, you know, sure. be, before we get started, though, I'm just kind of I'm just going to kind of curious. I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there real fast. And it is part of 2021. Did you happen to see uh, AEW Dynamite from the uh, last night? I have not watched it yet, but uh, everyone's writing oh, okay. about it. So obviously, I'm going to be uh, going out of my way to, to watch it. So, OK, well, I'll be looking forward to get your opinions on it when, uh, you know, on the social media thing, because, you know, I watched it page versus, uh, you know, Danielson. Great match, you know, went the full hour. I mean, I was glued. I mean, I was interested, you know, and I've seen a lot of positive reviews. You know, Les Thatcher, uh, Rudy Gonzalez, a lot of the guys, you know, they're raving about it. So, excellent match, and I'm looking forward to kind of getting your opinion, but I just thought I'd, you know, maybe start it off that way, but, you know, got to give you a chance to watch it first. Well, and that's and the only the only problem I think people could have with it, and this would be my issue, was that it started, it, it kicked off the show. 
uh, anytime you have a high profile match like that, especially one of that caliber and, and, and the business that they were going to do in that match, it, it really should have been the main event of the show. But I, I, they probably felt that it was going to tip off the hour if they started at, you know, you know, an hour before the show ends. Mm-hmm. Right. So that may have been part of the reasoning, but at the same time, I still think it should have been main event. I can, I can agree with that after watching, I watched both hours of it. And after agreeing with that, yeah, cause the second hour definitely, uh, you know, was not able, was, you can't hold up to, you know, what, what we saw in the first hour of the show, but you know, I know, I, I think you're going to enjoy it and all that stuff. Yeah. It's just one of those things too, where, you know, you want your shows to progress. You want them to, to get better. You definitely don't want to lose audience members from start to finish. And I, I'm pretty sure if you see the numbers today, it's going to be they lost 150, 200,000 people from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. I'll have to look into that. But, you know, we're here today, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about 2021 and kind of just some of the, you know, the events that happened in this year and, you know, obviously some of the passings, you know, one that's, you know, very close to you. But, uh, you know, let's just kind of start off with what I thought was, you know, kind of one of the big stories, kind of the beginning of 2021. Uh, we saw it at WrestleMania with AEW as well. And then obviously come in July here at Fort Worth, Texas. The live events and the fans after the pandemic of 2020 and we got to return to live events with live audience and all that. You know, that's kind of the major, you know, story to start off with and all that. And, you know, Glenn will, you know, kind of get your, you know, feedback on it as well. But, you know, Greg, how do you feel? You know, wrestling came back to the crowd. You know, the fans came back to the buildings and all that for the first time since you know the pandemic you know let's talk about that yeah i mean obviously that was a a huge blow to the entertainment industry in general not just professional wrestling the fact that you know we couldn't gather you know uh, we couldn't have sporting events we couldn't have professional wrestling events we couldn't have any, any of these things and um it you know not to be too much of a conspiracy theorist but you see how a lot of that just kind of faded away after uh the election and Biden was put in office. <laughs> so it makes you kind of wonder, you know, what all happened, but at the same case, you know, you know, we, it was, it was a hard time for the industry because, you know, like I'm, I make a living of professional wrestling. So for five months, you know, we were shut down in 2020 and, um, it was rough. I mean, there's no, there's no way two two ways about it. So the fact that everything kind of got back to normal and there's, there's still a little bit of, um, I would call residual effect as far as, you know, people wanting to get out or uh, just not as many people are, are as comfortable getting out as need to be. Um, so that, that hurts a little bit, but overall it's, it's, it's glad to see, it's good to see everything getting back to somewhat normal. Yeah. I mentioned that when you talked about, you know, the residual effect, like I said, WWE's first return was <clears throat> at WrestleMania. They did another two night event. They're obviously doing a two night event uh, coming up in 2022. But, uh, you know, the fans were there, the crowd, but when they first came back, you know, the fans were obviously excited, you know, they were up, you know, they got to come to a live event, but as the year has progressed, have you seen kind of maybe, you know, the fans are staying home or not? Cause I mean, we're seeing reports now that WWE is having like, you know, half the venue is full, uh, you know, do you think that's kind of part of, you know, the whole thing with, you know, the pandemic and people not just ready to, you know, come back out yet? I think really that more has to do with um, the product that WWE is producing. 
Now, obviously, in blue states, you know, democratic democratic controlled states, you know, there's more restrictions. There's more, you know, a fear about, you know, you know, the virus and things like that. That's where, like in Tennessee, for instance, you know, there's no mask mandate. There's no vaccine mandate. You know, there's all kinds of different stuff. So, um, but WWE, you know, we saw when when there was no crowd, we saw uh, the the product and the wrestling stripped down to its core, and we saw how bad it was in some cases, right? So when they came back and they had uh, live events and there was actually people able to be in the building, that still kind of was in their minds, lingered in their minds as far as you know, maybe this stuff isn't as good as we think it is. I mean, it's, they're they're making horrible decisions creatively, in my opinion. Now, do you think that part of the, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, that was obviously the rise of the cinematic match. They're still doing, you know, cinematic matches. Do you feel that the, uh, you know, the Thunderdome and the no crowds and all that, do you think they're kind of, you know, just not that people saw, you know, the product for it was, but maybe it kind of changed the product because, they kind of went a different avenue, so they weren't having to rely on, you know, crowd reaction. Yeah, it just, I, of course, you know, I'm not a fan of cinematic matches at all. I believe professional wrestling should be depicted in the real world like a, like a spectator sport, uh, spectator sporting event, you know, with, with, with people right there. So <clears throat> when we were in a situation where there was no crowd, um, the best thing to do would have been to enhance the wrestling side of it and really get more back to a realism selling, you know, see the hurt on a guy's face, you know, that kind of stuff. But instead they went the other direction. They went even more entertainment. And to me, it just fell flat because if I wanted to watch a cinematic match, if I wanted to watch a movie, basically, then I would go to the theater. I'm not going to, you know, when I, when I watch professional wrestling, I, I want to be, I want to see professional wrestling because, uh, lo and behold, I'm a professional wrestling fan. So, uh, and I think that's what all of us want. I think the one of the biggest drawbacks for WWE over the last 20 years has been that they start off every show with a 20-minute promo, and we know that's going to happen. Instead of changing it up a little bit, telling a story, getting here, getting there, but they just start off with that same formula, and it's just it's just been tired for 10 years. Now, uh, we, we've seen the crowds return, you know, with the WWE, AEW. Uh, crowds came back at a partial capacity for indies and all that, but how has it been for, you know, with the mandates lifted and all that, and people are obviously able to go out with no restrictions, how has that been for uh, the audiences as far as, like, the indie shows that, you know, you've been able to do? Uh, like I said, you know, I, you know, I'm in Tennessee, so I'm, I'm in a red state. So I haven't had any issues uh, since last year. Um, but, you know, friends that are in, uh, liberal areas, you know, they're still under wraps where they can't do a lot of things. I mean, there's a guy in Canada, Canada named Danny Duggan, who is a phenomenal wrestler and a phenomenal promoter. He ran shows up there where they were doing like, like 30 dates in a row. And he would do these tours a couple times a year. He would do these 30 dates in a row tours. And he had to – basically, he picked up and moved to America because he wasn't able to make a living in Canada anymore with professional wrestling with all the restrictions that they have. 
So, and we're seeing a lot of that in New York and California and Canada and places like that. Um, that those areas are, are getting hit the hardest when it comes to independent wrestling because independent promoters can't survive on the restrictions. So, so Glenn, uh, what, what's your take on uh, the fans returning? Because, you know, you and I, we, we talk about it, and you, you and I are fans, but what's kind of your take on the fans returning in 2021? Well, it's, it was a welcome sight because, I mean, it got to be, I just got a little too tired of uh, that Thunderdome business. I it, And that was probably one of the things, I mean, yeah, it, what uh, Greg was talking about, you mean, the, the pro, it really got stripped bare to, to, you know, to the realization that the product really wasn't that strong. And I... I don't know. I tried. I mean, there was a lot of interest. I mean, there's a lot of positives that can be mentioned, uh, you know, about the WWE. But I don't know. It's I, I honestly a couple of months into the summer, I, I basically went from even fast forwarding to st- I stopped watching Raw altogether because it just was so I don't know. It wasn't doing it for me. And, you know, and I've watched that thing since day one. It just wasn't exciting, and I really just thought things were going flat. WWE, of course, you know, been making so much news in the year about what you know with talent cuts and deals that they've been making. Of course, there was the big move to Peacock for the network. It's like we hear all about this stuff, but the product is, is really been lagging behind. And again, that's not going to get people to go out and see it if it's that. I guess that flat, but the only, I guess the one redeeming thing has been this year has been the Roman Reigns uh, bloodline, you know, storyline that it's been going on you now with Brock Lesnar in, in the mix. You know, it, I, I like that. I, I mean, I watch, I, I try to watch a little bit of SmackDown, but even after a while, that storyline to me is starting to get thin. I guess I've become, I, I, I'm not an all in on the AEW stuff. I know they have their flaws too, but that's probably the show that, and uh, believe it or not, Impact are the shows that I watch more often than I do anything WWE. And, you know, for fans to come out is, is great because it, it's benefiting AEW most definitely because they had all these great things that they did before the crowds came back, these reveals and, and these specialty matches. So it is kind of, it is great because they, th- that element, I mean, we had a pay-per-view down in the city, uh, down in Minneapolis, AEW was there for uh, a pay-per-view and uh, a, a, a rampage taping and man, we had, they had hot crowds both nights and you know they went into an arena that was known to be a WWE arena and WWE were just in the Twin Cities not that too long ago and they could, they couldn't fill the place you know so i guess WWE needs to pick up the ball a little bit i mean it's they got the stars i'm not going to discount any of the athletes the superstars they call them but I don't know. I think they need to find some direction as far as well, what they're putting out storyline wise. It's just not not doing it for me. And uh, and also uh, think about it. I mean, these companies are still around, but the one that we we are talking about that may have um, its features in limbo right now. They went on a hiatus. Was was ROH, who just had recently had their pay per view, and they got all this attention, but then. Where was all this attention before when you know they were on the ropes and they needed to get things going? So. You know, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, there's a lot of good going on with pro wrestling since the fans came back, but a lot of things have fallen by the wayside, too. <clears throat> you brought up an interesting point. I'm going to throw that one out there. That was one of my topics for uh, tonight's discussion. And uh, I'd like to get, uh, you know, Greg's opinion on it first. And that is Ring of Honor. Uh, we all were kind of shocked here a few weeks ago when they released the announcement that after Final Battle, uh, which just happened this past weekend, 
they were basically shutting down for the first quarter of 2022 and are going to be returning. I believe it's in March around WrestleMania for their two show. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of the contracts have been renewed. Uh, some ring of honor wrestlers, Jay Lethal, I believe Brody King also have gone over to AEW now. Uh, Greg, what's your take on, you know, ring of honor? You know, was this kind of a surprise? You know, where did this come from? I mean, I have my kind of opinions on it. And do you see a return for Ring of Honor in March? Or are they possibly just going to be a glorified indie promotion? Well, Ring of Honor is owned by Sinclair. And um, you know, everyone, everyone knows Sinclair is a huge media company. Um, but they really don't care about professional wrestling. You know, so... It's always sad when there's one less place that a, a guy can go and make a living in professional wrestling. So, but at the same time, with their current business model, there's really no reason to have so many guys under contract when you can, like, like you said, they're going to be like a super independent company where they basically just have tapings and pay guys per per appearance. I believe. Uh, I I really see that going the route, but. Ring of Honor, unfortunately, is um, the byproduct of the business changing because of it. Uh, you, if you look the Ring of Honor style that we, we we touted about in the early 2000s with the Daniel Bryans and the Christopher Danielses and, and all that era, you know that style is now on WWE. That style is now in AEW. So what is it? What is there to really set Ring of Honor apart from everyone else? Because they're not that anymore. My my opinion is they need to go an ultra old school, you know, more realistic approach to it, and that would that in itself would make them different than everyone else. But if they do that, you know, in March, you know, I'd be very very surprised. Um, I'm I'm hearing that you know they're done done like it's it's over over, but. Who knows? You know, I, I really do hope they come back because, like I said, I want I want people to be able to have a place to make money and make a living and um, be able to uh, get the notoriety that they deserve. Now, a point I brought up, uh, we discussed this on Offshoots TV a few weeks back. And, you know, Greg, you were, you were a guest on that show recently. Um, in the statement, they made the point that during the pandemic, you know, they were still paying the talent and honoring the contracts and all this. But now they've come to a new something, however they worded it. Uh, my opinion on it was that, you know, they paid the guys during the pandemic. Now they're at this point and they're realizing, okay, the budget for the talent isn't there anymore. You think maybe that that has something to do with it? And maybe if they hadn't, you know, great that they honored the kind of the talent was paid because that was a bad time for everyone who was able to work. But if they maybe done things a little bit differently, do you think we'd still be where we're at right now in the same situation? Yeah, I, I just think we're always on the pathway to this because anytime there's a corporate entity involved with professional wrestling, this is the kind of stuff that happens. They don't look at it at professional wrestling. They look at it at dollars and cents. And, um, you know, so I always kind of felt like even years ago when I heard Sinclair had bought Ring of Honor, I was like, eh, that's something's going to go wrong. It just took a decade for it to happen. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think we still would have been in the same boat, pandemic, no pandemic, whatever. I think they still would have been uh, inching their way towards this no contract per appearance kind of thing. Now, they do no contracts and no appearance, you know, and they'll, you know, 
see, you know, they're going to book this show. They're going to book these guys. Um, that in effect would kind of create the independent promotion aspect is we, how, how could you do storylines and all you would, would you be able to do storylines like that? Cause you know, Oh, you book this guy. He's saying, okay, we're setting up this storyline, but then he's not available for this booking or he's not available for this. You know, would they be able well, to do like a storyline thing and create television using that model? I mean, they could. Yeah. I mean, guys just have to, you know, when I, when I wrestle for traditional championship wrestling, and we were in 50 million homes, uh, I knew I was on every taping. So, I mean, I just didn't make any plans until I knew the dates of our tapings. Um, and that's kind of what you have to do in that situation. You know, if you, if they, if you know they're, if they told you, hey, we want you here for every taping, or we want you here for the next six tapings, then you have to wait to do business that way, like as far as figuring out your dates and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Now, as I said, you know, as far as the, you know, some of the are the Ring of Honor talent, uh, Jay Lethal, Brody King, I believe, I have not seen confirmation on that yet, but they've gone, you know, to AEW. Uh, is this a chance? Do you think for AEW to pick up some guys that, you know, aren't WWE that maybe some of the fans haven't seen and can kind of bring them in, kind of as a, you know, maybe a fresher talent because Ring of Honor isn't available like everywhere, so. This might be an opportunity for people that haven't seen guys like Brody King or some of the other, you know, or the Briscoes and things like that to come into AEW and kind of be a fresh, you know, talent instead of, oh, this guy came over from WWE. We already know who he is. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a good way to look at it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of Jay Lethal. You know, me and Jay Lethal had a match uh, years ago that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's a he's a hell of a wrestler. He's a hell of an athlete. I'm glad to see him, you know, land on his feet and get a deal with AEW. Um, I just don't have a lot of faith in the direction that they're going with everybody. Because at, at the end of the day, there's only so many spots available on television, you know. And their roster is as about as packed full of upper-level talent as I've ever seen. Um, so finding a spot, finding a legitimate spot for all those top guys becomes a big issue. Um, me personally, I think Jay Lethal is a phenomenal wrestler and should be um, considered one of the best wrestlers in the world, especially in the company. So uh, I don't think they're just going to, they're not going to present him in that light, I don't believe. Same thing with Jonathan Grissom. You know, that kid, he technically, is there anybody better than him in, in wrestling right now as far as technical ability goes? I mean, he's really kind of made that niche for himself and um i just don't see him getting that kind of rub either i mean they're going to be on dark and putting guys over and doing this kind of stuff um that they could have had anyone do so um yeah like i said i'm glad that some of the guys land on their feet and are, are still getting con still getting money and things like that but uh at the end of the day you know i worry about the about the creative product that they'll be a part of I know you watch, uh, you know, you, you watch Ring of Honor as well as Impact and all that kind of, what's your, what do you think of the Ring of Honor situation? Well, it's an unfortunate deal, but you know, it, I mean, consider, it really, really got, like confuses me. It's, you know, Sinclair had all of these stations, you know, when it went, you know, back when they did make the purchase, it's everybody had that little bit of a, of an optimistic thing. Of course, now we're viewing it with hindsight, uh, that uh, they could have done something with that. I mean, they had, uh, 
many different chances to expand the company a little bit. I just don't know. I mean, initially they were up front, bought the company and put them on their, their networks, but I don't know how much real true money, time and dedication was put into it by the Sinclair people, aside from having those TV spots on the weekends. And, you know, and again, uh, like Greg said, I mean, ROH's style was something that was really fresh and, and new, and now it's become a commonplace thing. So it really doesn't give them much identity. So they may are, you know, they're going to have to, if they do come back, come up with something that is going to be uh, something that'll get more eyes, something that will still attract those those old school fans that were, were there. It's a, it's something they're going to have to balance, and uh, you know, to even have any sort of chance at uh, you know having their spot in pro wrestling considering what just a couple of years ago people were starting to call ROH the the number two company before well you know and again we could all give credit to to ROH because if it wasn't for ROH and some of the guys that were in at the time there really wouldn't be what became AEW but ROH gets left behind because but now you have AEW taking talent you also have WWE taking talent I mean, it really didn't leave them much, uh, and they made the most of what they had. But again, that coupled with having all of that time off, not being able to get back to the fans uh, as quick as they would have liked to, a lot of empty empty TV tapings and, and things like that. Again, it's a case of not going to disparage the talent. It's just the people running the show, the ones counting the beans, man, are just not putting in that sort of effort and awareness, I think. My thing with it is... Uh I watch it out here, you know, it's on one of the, the CW Jackhammer, which channel is, mm-hmm. but it would move around. It would be on like, you know, Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on this channel. So no and it for a few weeks. No consistency. And then it would move over to Saturday and it bopped around. It was hard to follow. From, that was my problem. It was hard to follow for me because on my local television channel, which is a Sinclair Broadcasting channel, it moved from one day to the next and you were constantly having to you know, channel surf or guide surf to try to find it. If uh-huh. it was listed in the guide, sometimes it even wasn't. Yeah. You know? and- and, that, that's another issue that comes to and, and you know and, and then you know not having a consistent time slot that's a killer and you know and sometimes it would be on you know at, after midnight in some markets I mean when you know not exactly the the, the right ideal time for, for, for a wrestling show it just seemed like it was content dump yeah here it was Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and then for a while it was Saturday at like 2 in the afternoon See, kind of yeah. odd you know Wednesday night at 6 p.m. people you know school nights dinner time things like that and then Saturday night, Saturday afternoon at two, you know, most people are out doing something. They were they were odd time zones. There were time uh, frames. For, yeah, competing you know, with competing area. with sports, I guess too. But I mean, again, back in the day, we we would go Saturday nights. We'd flip it on at. Uh, 605 or 505 in my time zone and we, they still managed uh, th- to have a great television product in the midst of you know sports all around uh, during the various seasons well i didn't like when tbs had to you know put the braves on or anything but they should yeah. it should have been just more of a, a coordination effort on, on, on some of the syndicators too i mean they could have had better set times you know so they can make it a, a thing where oh yeah ROH is coming on here five o'clock uh, Sunday or five o'clock Saturday or two o'clock or even Sunday morning at eleven o'clock before all the football starts. I mean, just to have something that you know people can remember and go to, and not have people wonder, well, is it going to be on two weeks in a row at this certain time slot? Is it going to be on this time slot for two months? What what's the story? It just didn't really have a lot of certainty to it. Exactly. All right, so I'm going to pass the microphone to you for a few minutes because you know you had a couple topics that you want to discuss. One that as I mentioned at the top of the show, is kind of you know something going on right now currently in the uh, the area that I live in. 
Yeah, Mike, because I, I really want to. stories. Yeah, Mike, I really wanted to, to talk about this because we, you know, we've been following it, and you're a little bit more closer to home, being down in Texas. Uh, some of the things that have been going on the last, you know, not just the last week or so, but the last couple of weeks, things there. I don't know. It it, it puts the, some things that are in question. And, and Mike, one of the things that I know you've been a part of and and have uh, contributed to uh, in recent years since its move was the Pro Wrestling uh, Hall of Fame down in Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, of, of which. Uh, we, there was some news that broke here last month about some things uh, that are in limbo down there, and uh, people have a lot of questions, not getting those questions answered. And what I, that really interested me, Mike, and I wanted to put that uh, post that uh, and ask you and talk to you about it because, again, you live down in the area. You talk to a lot of people about a lot of pro wrestling things, but what can you say about this uh, this Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame situation in Wichita Falls? Because it seems like now people are trying to wonder where even some of the stuff is. Uh, they can't get in contact with John Mantell. What, what can you gather from this? Because, I mean, it, it was a great-looking venue from what I saw in pictures and things that you posted and a really cool thing for the boys, but, and they had events, but COVID came and other things started to happen too. But what's, what's the story down there as far as that goes with Wichita Falls? Well, currently, as you said, COVID came. That was kind of as, as what I thought was the beginning of it, was the, was the COVID situation. They had to shut the doors because here in Texas, we were on a lockdown. So there was no entertainment available. It was, you went to work and you went home, you went grocery shopping. Um, but as the time went on, there was announcements that they were moved. They're supposed to be moving from the first floor which if you've ever seen Big Blue in Wichita Falls, it literally is this big giant blue building. It's multiple stories. Uh, they were on the first floor level in a smaller space. They were supposed to be moving up to the third floor on, into a larger space. And they had volunteers that were going to be moving it up. So, uh, you know, this happened. Uh, 2019, or no, 2020, the, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony was, was, was postponed, you know, due to, the, due to COVID. So they were supposed to happen. Then 2020 rolls around and we get the announcement that they're moving up to a third floor. And this is going to be where the new, the next, you know, we're going to honor 2021 and 2020, uh, the classes. And then they had to close because they were moving. And once they closed on a permanent, even during COVID, they were still, they could be open for appointments. You can make appointments, you wore your mask, you could go in and take a tour. But then the tour stopped, the appointment stopped. And it got to the point of, we're moving. Okay. Oh, well, we're postponing the 2021 class until further notice. Okay. But then that was it. There's been no updates, no Facebook updates, no Twitter updates, no social media updates, period. The website is still the same. If you can access the website, Mike Johnson from Pro Wrestling Insider, he's the one who did the story and he went to the website and it says it's not available. You can't access it. And people started wondering and then people started questioning, where's the stuff? Uh, Beverly Shade, who's been a guest on our show, Miranda Gordy uh, and her mother, Connie, they're wondering where, you know, Terry's stuff is. Uh, Barbara Goodish is wanting to know where, or, you know, where Frank's stuff is. And that's when people started going, okay, we're going to go investigate. We're going to go find out. And that's when we're starting to find out that the first level is empty. The third level is supposedly empty. So that made the question of where's the stuff? Is it in a storage unit? Mike Johnson's story has sort of revealed, we think, on once again, this is all speculation that the stuff is still housed inside Big Blue on the third floor. Although there have been people 
that have been to the third floor and shown you a picture of like the glass doors leading into it and there, you can't see a thing. So it still wears the stuff. And people have reached out to Johnny Mantel and people have reached out to, uh, you know, his partner Kay and nothing. We're getting no responses. Uh, Kay still, Kay still posts on social media on occasion, usually to complain about something that, you know, oh, people are doing this, people are doing that. And then when you ask her, what is this? We are asking for answers. Nobody's giving any answers. And so Mike Johnson did the story and we're finding out now that there's rumor that it may be moving to Arlington. There's rumor that it's staying in Wichita Falls. It's being insinuated that Johnny really isn't going to have part of it due to health conditions. Uh, I've heard that he has COVID, but I don't know of anybody who's had COVID for, you know, over a year. And literally the last time I spoke to John was when you and I did an interview with him back in January of this year to talk about the Hall of Fame ceremony. That's the last time I spoke with him. I usually contacted John and I usually spoke to him at least once a month, every couple months. I have not spoke to him in almost a year now. That's a long so period. That's kind of the situation. That's a long period of time for radio silence, man. That's a long period of time. And it really, it, it just creates more questions and more people wondering. And, and there was also talk that some of the, the paperwork wasn't uh, updated. They were falling behind on things and that uh, had an effect po- possibly on their, you know, as their status as a nonprofit. I mean, so there's a lot of things, uh, not just in the last couple of months, but maybe the last year, year two or three that have been going on with, with paperwork stuff too. So it just seems like the all four of the damn wheels are falling off the vehicle. And we, we just want people to, uh, and a lot of people just want to find and get these answers, f- get their stuff and, and really know where the future of this hall of fame is will there be another move back uh, to to up you know to upstate new york where the original hall of fame was i know there's an international one that's up in that area but there's so many questions that are going to be remained unanswered until we hear more things from from johnny or, or from Kay. well exactly and greg you know you're you're there in tennessee and all that so you're kind of seeing this from you know the you know the outside looking in and all that i sent you the article from mike johnson i don't know if you ever had a chance to read it but kind of you know what are your opinions on the Hall of Fame? Because you're a historian as well, and you know, I know you want this stuff preserved and taken care of just as much as anybody else would. Yeah, and unfortunately, the wrestling business is, you know, a shady business as it is, um, and you always fear some situation like this happening, um, and here we are in the middle of it. Um, it's just, it's just really shady all the way around. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there, there's no reason not to give the answers uh, to what's going on. You know, it's, it's not that hard to to issue a statement saying, hey, you know, maybe we got evicted from the blue building or whatever, whatever you're talking about. Maybe and everything's in storage. Currently, mm-hmm. we're currently looking we're currently looking for a new venue to have the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Please bear with us, blah, blah, blah. But um, that's not what's going on. Like you said, they're being very tight-lipped and not answering anybody and not talking to anybody and uh, kind of just hiding, and which kind of it makes you makes you wonder, like, what's going on? Did they, heaven forbid, did they get in a tight situation because of COVID and started selling some of that stuff off, you know, to, to make ends meet? I mean, that would be mm-hmm. horrific, right? So... Uh, once again, you hope it's something, it's nothing like that, but it is, it's just, it's shady all the way around. Have you been to the, uh, the hall of fame before? Uh, I did years ago when it had first opened, um, probably maybe like their first banquet or the second banquet somewhere in there. Um, we went there for, for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I haven't been there in years. So yeah. Cause last time I was there, I forgot, you, uh, 
you're you're on their indie wall in the uh, in the second room where the ring is and all that. You're on the indie wall. You're up there with Matt Riviera and Tim Storm and you know a bunch of the other guys. I remember there were some pictures of you up there. Oh, awesome! Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike. Right, there's there's another. Uh, yes. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, you know, we were going to go into to another area of, of conversation uh, uh, involved because I said I had a couple of things uh, that involved uh, the great state mm-hmm. of Texas and uh, the last couple of months and a couple of weeks here uh, is some of the, the companies within uh, the state. Uh, one of those uh, I was wondering about because uh, there was some controversy or there were a lot of questions being asked about its future. And I was wondering what you have uh gathered up here as far as the, the stability for this company was SWE Fury because it really had a lot of people involved that a lot of great moving parts to the company and then you start to hear things that uh, the company was on its last legs and the company's going to run this show but didn't now they're going to run this show and that what's really going on with their stability down there uh, with SWE Fury because it did show a lot of promise at this point in time from what I understand SWE is not running uh, at this time um, I, as far as SWE goes, I followed their product on TV and obviously I knew a lot of the guys involved, uh, you know, Rodney Max on that show. James Beard was part of it. He was one of the behind the scenes guys. So I knew a lot of the guys, you know, working with it. But, uh, from what I understand, you know, the wrong people got involved and were spoken to. And there's been rumors of somebody investing uh, supposedly Lacey Von Eric invested in the company. And once that kind of happened, you know, that's when things kind of started falling off the tracks, whether or not the Lacey Von Eric investment is, was actually truth or it's just part of the story that I'm, I'm not sure they're still running. Like at the recent show we had in, uh, uh, in Irving at Southern junction, uh, Charlie Hoss was on the card and we're going to talk about that show. I'm sure. Uh, he defended the SWE title because he's still currently the SWE champion. He defended the SWE belt on the uh, the World Class Revolution show, and World Class Revolution is using a lot of the same talent and behind the scenes guys as SWE. So, an, uh, and there was kind of seen an opening. Jerry Bostic kind of like stepped up. He's been running for years, but it's looking like maybe World Class Revolution is kind of setting up, you know, to kind of fill the void because there have been some issues with SWE. They have not been as forefront about what's been going on. Uh, it has not been as much in the media as another current situation. But that's kind of what it's looking like with SWE. One of those cases of they had all the ball, all the pieces in place and they were going good, made a couple bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And you talked about uh, Jerry Bostic, of course, of World uh, Class Revolution. We had him on the program talking about his company. Uh, his company has been uh, definitely uh, been on the, the hot seat. Uh, it's definitely been on the topic hot topic seat here uh, since their last show. And that's in regards to a gentleman who is uh, also was involved with SWE Fury. He's uh, done a lot, you know, been up in the Canadian Indies. He's well known for his YouTube channel. Uh, he's, you know, gotten a lot of hits for his company content but this uh, incident that happened recently down there mike uh, down in your state uh involving uh devin hannibal nicholson w- was something that is uh has gotten a lot of people talking and a lot of people wondering uh and especially uh what happened with uh, the the poor referee in question what the hell is going on down there and man 
a lot of people, again, this is another thing. There's so many questions here. Is this a, sort of a thing that was, you know, a lot of people thought that this was, this was a work, but this really ended up with a guy having to go get stitches in his head from getting hit with a golden spike. Tell us a little more about this because you're down a little bit, you're down there. I get to see stuff online. What can you gather from this? Because I know that you know a lot of people who were involved with this incident. I was actually supposed to be at, at that show in uh, in Southern cool. Junction. Or I was actually supposed to go, but just, you know, work schedule, holidays and all that, it kind of derailed that. Um, I'm kind of glad I, I, I wasn't there. I don't want to be a witness. Um, there was an incident, everybody knows of this, and, and Greg, I'm going to pass this over to you in a minute because as a promoter, I want to kind of get your take on the whole situation. Uh, there was a match between Bloodhunter and Carlito at the Christmas Star Wars, and after the match, there was an incident between the blood hunter Hannibal Devin Nicholson uh, and referee Lando del Toro. Uh, and if you've seen the video, you see that Hannibal has a spike in his hand and is hitting Lando in the head with it. According to Hannibal, the spot was planned. You know, he was wearing a mask that had mesh over his eyes and he couldn't see. And if you look at the video, the part of his the the fat of the part of his hand is holding the the nail, so you don't see the end of the spike. That's not hitting him. He didn't realize what was happening. The referee didn't say anything, and it's kind of gone from there. Lando Del Toro is the referee. He ended up going to the hospital after the event. Uh, had staples, uh, and this is all stuff that you can find out. I am not saying anything that hasn't isn't public knowledge. It's all available on social media. Uh, he had staples in his head, I believe seven or eight, possibly nine. Um, had to go back to the hospital because it was revealed that he found out that he had a blood infection and they were figuring it's from the paint on the spike. Once again, this is all uh, off of uh, social media. So he's gone back. I believe the staples had to be removed, probably glued now. I'm not sure on that. Sorry, I'm not going to speculate. But that's kind of regret. Obviously, Hannibal takes no blame for this. He talked to the referee afterwards. They're good. Uh, da, 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 da. Bostick came out with his statement. Hannibal is no longer involved with world-class revolution. He's been banned from the shows. Hannibal replied to that, that he had sent a message to Bostick saying that he wasn't going to be a part of him, that he was leaving world-class revolution. So he left before hours before they came out with a statement that they were banning him. Uh, if anybody knows the Hannibal situation, Hannibal, from what I understand, books his own matches. He comes in, he brings in his opponent, he does the finish, he books the whole thing to create YouTube content. And in turn, the promoter gets the the social media audience that he has. They're, they get a you know he does podcasts with them for his you know his Hannibal TV network. So there's a lot of pluses for the promoter. And I, from what I understand, this is how. Blood Hunter does the thing. In this case, you know, there are people saying, oh, it's a work, not happening. I know a lot of people that were there at the time. And even if it was a, a spot, it got out of hand. Uh, in my opinion, Hannibal went into business for himself. That's pretty much everybody's attention. And he got what he wanted. He got clicked. Everybody was clicking on the video to watch it. All those videos have been taken down, by the way. Once he put them up, like an hour or few later, he took them down. His apology video or explanation video, he took it down. Um, as I said, Greg, I'd like to kind of get your take on it because I know you've probably, you know, seen all of it as we have uh, as a promoter and all that. What's your take kind of on the situation? And have you ever dealt with Hannibal or any type of character like him? 
Um, no, I, I met Hannibal once in Vegas, and he was just doing his, you know, like you said, his YouTube thing, and we we spoke briefly, and you know, I was trying to get him to come to Tennessee to do some stuff with us, maybe, but it never panned out. Um, from from all accounts that I hear, and like you said, you have, you know, you're down that way, but I have friends that work there too, you know, and everything that I've heard is that yeah, he went into business for himself, that it was completely uncalled for, and yes, the spot was. Um, the spot was, yeah, he was going to get the ref after the match, but like you said, like that went completely awry. And as far as him saying that, you know, he had mesh over his eyes and couldn't see and he didn't mean to do it. I mean, that's, if you wear a mask all the time, if that's your gimmick, then you understand what you can and cannot do. So you wouldn't put yourself in that position anyway. But also the simple fact is, you know, I've, I've colored guys before. You know what I mean? Like I've I've done it for them, so they didn't have to do it. And when you do something like that, there's a crunch, and there's a and there's a an obvious, an obvious feeling of tearing while you're doing something like that. When he's doing the spike, if he's not able to notice that, then something's legitimately wrong. So you see in the video in question and everything else. I did not watch the video. I was I was I was pretty pretty pissed off about it when I heard it because that kind of stuff hurts not just the world-class promotion, but it hurts all independent promotions because when that stuff gets shared and that stuff becomes viral and, and that's what everyone's talking about, then that's what the average fan thinks independent wrestling is. And that's, and that's a scary thing because I've, I've, we've had this conversation before with, you know, people like Joey Ryan and Priscilla Kelly and things like that. Those people cost more bookings than you'll, you can ever imagine because, superintendents of schools and people that own buildings and things like that just didn't want to do business with professional wrestling because of something of that nature. Now you said you, you, you had Hannibal in Vegas. I met him, I believe it was in 2016. I think it was back when he was first starting everything. Um, and you said you tried to bring him in in Tennessee. Is it true? Is there, is that the case that he basically books his own, his own match and his own opponent and comes in and it's basically just for YouTube content? I mean, we never even got that far with it. I was just trying to get him to come next. Oh. I knew he had a, a quite a, quite a bit of following on YouTube, so I was like, "Well, it'd be nice to have him give us a little bit of a rub and get down there." But um, yeah, we never got that far. I, I wouldn't be surprised because, like I said, with with the popularity of his YouTube stuff, and uh, he definitely has a um, uh, a bargaining chip to promoters to say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to help you out by doing this. I just want to book my own stuff and do this, and that's that's usually a fair deal." Um, I don't work that way just because same situation. I, I don't trust enough people to make the right decisions for my own company. So ultimately a lot of this stuff is always going to fall on the promoter. You know, that we're all, everyone's of course blaming Hannibal and rightfully so, but at the same time, you know, some of the fault needs to be put on uh, the person that put him out there. Cause there were some accounts that, he might have been drunk. He might have been high. He might have been whatever. They couldn't find him. You know, one of those situations. So uh, it's just one of those things. It's, it's a bad situation all the way around for professional wrestling. And I hope it gets cleared up the best it can. I know, I know they're working on uh, there's there's things in motion here to try to, if anything, at least keep it where he can't come back into the state and you know keep him up in Canada where he should probably stay. Uh, yeah, I woke up Sunday morning. Like I said, I wasn't able to go to the show. 
and I saw somebody post about, you know, oh, you protect your opponent, you protect the man you're working with. And I'm like, well, what the hell happened? And then I kept reading some more posts. I got to one, and I was like, my first thought was, oh, it's Hannibal. Because unfortunately, we brought up SWE Theory, the same thing happened there. Uh, I believe it was supposed to be uh, a chair charter, some setup for that. And once again, he injured somebody. At that time, people were saying, well, it might have been an accident. Now they're looking at it. No, it wasn't. So it's looking like, you know, Hannibal's kind of reckless and basically gets in on the shows that you said. He's got the money. Uh, he's got the connections. He's got the followers. That allows him to get onto these shows. But eventually a promoter's going to have to learn, okay, he did this. He did this. You know, what the hell is he going to do next? Somebody have to go, not just to the hospital, but do they have to go to the morgue before people go, oh, well, maybe we really shouldn't book Hannibal. It's kind of dangerous. I'm all for policing the business and protecting the business and, and, and making sure we have guys in here that that are um, doing what's best for professional wrestling and not what not what is best for themselves. So, uh, yeah, he'll never he'll never be on anything I do just from this this incident alone. So, now there are a few other topics uh, that you know I was hoping to discuss. We're we're kind of running out of time, unfortunately. Uh, real quickly, one I wanted to touch on because. As far as I'm concerned, I still think this was one of those feel-good moments. You know, fans come back to the arenas, and we got to see this, and that was in the return of CM Punk after seven years wrestling in AEW. I still think that was like a, probably one of the one of the highlights of 2021 is when that man stepped onto the stage and you heard a pop that I don't think people have heard in I can I can probably say decades. What was your what was your kind of take on the return of CM Punk? Um, yeah, I mean, Punk was, you know, that last big star, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, there's, there's very few people that can say with a straight face that they were the hottest thing in professional wrestling at any given time. And he's one of them, you know? So the fact that he came back to wrestling, uh, and the way he came back was, was pretty cool. You know, I mean, came back in Chicago, obviously huge huge reaction in his hometown and he cut the the 20 minute promo and uh, it was, it was a really good moment. Like you said, I mean, it's definitely one of those things that's going to live on forever um, in, in all of our hearts and minds. But, um, and you know, just the fact that he's, he's there and he's, he's busting ass, you know, like every match I've seen him in thus far, you know, he's out there trying to make these new guys, these young guys, look as good as possible he's out there getting his ass kicked and he's out there and one thing he's he's showing the entire roster how to do how to get over as a main event guy he's selling he's selling everything they do to him uh unfortunately some of the guys on the roster are too stupid to realize and they still go out there and no sell everything but i mean he's showing them hey this is how i got over this is how you can get over this is how everyone ever in our business got over you know what i mean like uh, this is how you do it. As I said, you know, we're, we're coming up in the last few minutes of our uh, program. And unfortunately, one of the sad parts when you remember, you know, the past year and everything that's gone on. And you remember the highlights. You remember, in the case of, like, Hannibal, some of the lowlights. But you also have to remember those that, you know, we lost during the year. Because, you know, as the years go on, we start to lose, you know, the old school guys. And, you know, and that's the reason why we have historians that continue on to preserve their legacies. Because, you know as the years go on, they're getting older and we're losing more uh, this year. And this is not a complete list of everybody who, who's passed uh, in 2021. 
Um, just a couple of days ago, we lost Jimmy Rave. Um, I guess I had understood that he had recently had both both his legs and an arm amputated due to uh, MRSA infection. Uh, he just passed. Uh, Blackjack Lanza, another gentleman who passed here recently. Uh, Melissa Coates passed in 2021. Josephus, Joseph Hudson, Dominic Danucci, Don Cronodal, Buddy Colt, Barry Orton, Angelo Mosca, The Patriot, Ryan Sakota, Paul Orendorf, New Jack. The New Jack kind of hit me a little bit. I was always a New Jack fan. Uh, the Assassin, Jody Hamilton, Jim Crockett Jr., Daphne, an unfortunate uh, victim of you know a suicide, and that was such a sad story. And now, uh, Butch Reed passed away in February. And Greg, uh, give you a chance to kind of speak for a minute about the passing, and especially on this one, one that was close to you, and one that really, probably from all the deaths, is one that got me the most was the passing of beautiful Bobby. Yeah, I mean Bobby, um, and I've said it since I met him. You know, as great as he was as a professional wrestler, and he was one of the greatest of all time. Um, he was a, he was an even better person. And that's, that's the biggest compliment I can give to him because he transcended professional wrestling to me. Like I want to be as good a person as Bobby Eaton was outside of the ring. And, um, like you said, a lot of these guys are, are passing away and, you know, eventually all the guys that work the territories, are going to be gone. And the only thing that's left is the guys like me that worked with the guys that worked the territories. And we're trying to keep that, that, that stuff alive and that thought process alive and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, 2021 was a, was a tough year for a lot of losses. Like you said, I mean, the Jimmy Rave thing is very sad. I mean, he was from, from, I never got to meet him, but from what I understand, he was just, um, you know, enthralled with the business from the very beginning and just had a passion for like no other. And I can relate to that. Um, Melissa Coates is someone that, you know, uh, I'm, I knew from Vegas and a couple other places. And like one time we ended up and had a layover together somewhere at at an airport, I think maybe Atlanta or somewhere. And, uh, you know, I sat and talked to her for two hours, you know, we just talked about life and wrestling and bodybuilding and everything else, you know, it's just, you know, you have these moments with these people and, um, you know, in wrestling, you know, there, a lot of times we talk about how you don't have a lot of friends, you have a lot of acquaintances, but when you have the, the true friends, um, that's when it hits. And, and like I said, Bobby Eaton was, in my opinion, one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. You know, obviously he and I were a tag team for two years and he did everything in his power to help me. And the, the whole reason that I'm where I'm at now is in part to Bobby Eaton because he he started my career on a trajectory that I couldn't I couldn't put it on its own. So um, I'm always going to be in, indebted to him for that, and you know his his um, his family and his friends and everyone that that knew him is just we were all crushed by by Bobby. Yeah, I, I saw the post. You know, the people he had passed it for like 15 minutes. I just kept scrolling and reading you know, posts from people talking about Bobby to the point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. It was just so sad and hard is like, I just need to close my eyes and go to sleep. And we'll, we'll, we'll catch up to it uh, the next day. Greatest story I heard about Bobby though. And being that, you know, people said he's the nicest guy in professional wrestling is, you know, when he met his wife, Donna, obviously Bill Dundee's daughter, and she wasn't supposed to date the boys because Bill knew you know, what the boys were like. 
And he found out that she was dating one of the wrestlers. And he was like, who is it? I'm going to kill the mother. And she said, oh, it's Bobby. And he's like, oh, well, if you're going to date one of the boys, that's the one to do. <laughs> we go with. So I always thought that was kind of funny. You know, you're not dating one of the boys. Oh, well, it's Bobby. Okay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a very true story. I, I heard them detail that story himself. I mean, I, I just thought that was great. But yeah, that was one of those. Um, Daphne, another one. Um, I follow her on Instagram. We've talked on social media before. And I got that thing. Oh, Daphne is live on Instagram. I was like, oh, okay. So I clicked on it. Nothing else. And I saw the last minute or so of her video. And I was like, oh, my God. And then Mick Foley was putting out the post about, can anybody reach out to her? And then the next morning you wake up and you find out that uh, they were too late and that she had taken her own life. You never want to hear that. Daphne was 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 great at what she did. I mean, she was talented in the ring. She, you know, people loved her character. I mean, wherever she went, you know, she was good. She was great. And you just don't want to see, you know, uh, someone pass that way. Um, were there any other guys on that list of, that I gave off that you had a chance to work with or any experiences with? Or? Uh, um, North, Lance, can, you go, can, you go through, can, can you go through their list one more time? Um, yeah, see, we've got Melissa Coates, which you mentioned, uh, Josephus, Jimmy Rave, Dominic Zanichi, Don Fernando, Buddy Colt, Blackjack Lanza, Barry Orton, Angela Mosca, The Patriot, Ryan Sakota, Paul Orndorff, New Jack, and The Assassin. All right, so, um, Josephus obviously was from Tennessee, and um, mm-hmm. he's just one of those guys that me and him had a lot of mutual friends, and uh, we never had really worked together or been around each other or anything like that. And then randomly, I'm coming back from a show in East Tennessee, and I stop at this little uh, kind of this mom and pop uh, comic book store slash record store slash you know all kinds of store. And he was there with his son, and we just kind of I walked in, we kind of saw each other, and we're like, "What the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> you know? And we ended up having a really good you know little five ten minute conversation with, uh, and I you know talked to his kid for a minute and things like that. So from all my understandings, he he was an, uh, an upstanding guy, and it was. It was a shock to see him go, um, obviously. Um, New Jack was a guy that um, I recently just had uh, C.W. Anderson in town uh, down here in Tennessee, and uh, C.W. said that that one hit him hard because they were really close, and he he talked about how New Jack, um, you know, as much as New Jack's reputation precedes him as far as being rough and tough and this, and he said – that he could wrestle just as well as anyone else. Just no one ever really got to see it because he didn't have to do that kind of stuff, but he could do all the flips and doodles and all the kind of stuff that, that we talk about. Um, Paul Orndorff, I met Paul Orndorff and his son um, in Vegas and uh, he was super nice and, you know, talked about the territory days and uh, had a really good moment. And then um, Buddy Colt was the one, this is an interesting story. Me and, Buddy Colt was, I just happened one day, I just, I was on YouTube, I fell down the rabbit hole on YouTube, and I came across uh, Buddy Colt matches, and I was just enthralled, I was like, oh my god, this guy is amazing, you know what I mean, because I never really, I'd heard the name, but I'd never actually seen a lot of the work, so I started watching a bunch of his stuff, and I was just amazed at stuff again, and when we say that um, he was probably one of the best professional wrestlers never to be the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, that is an absolute truth. I mean, he was that good and that talented. And uh, when he passed away, you know, uh, I was on one of my Facebook uh, wrestling groups, and his son 
had actually posted about his dad and said, hey, I thank everyone for the prayers, you know, that kind of thing. So I sent him a, a direct message telling him how much, you know, I, I loved his dad and uh, how great he was and things like that. And he and I actually became pretty close friends, and we actually inducted Buddy Cole into the Pro Wrestling Mid-South Hall of Champions here. So um, we, we try to, you know, all these people, you know, they, they've left lag, uh, lasting legacies with somebody or something. So it, when I say pain is temporary, but glory lasts forever, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to you. Yes, we have reached the end of our time here on this edition of Rosslyn Memories uh, as we look back on the year 2021. A big thank you to our guest, Greg Anthony, and of course, for the, for the grizzled vet, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now, and hope to hear you again in 2022.